0: Take a trip with me to Jesus and his disciples around the table. And he says to you, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. See, my father's house is many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. See, you know the way to the place where I'm going. But Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, then you're going to know my Father as well. And from now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. So Philip said, Lord, just show us the Father. That will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe me when I say, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? Look, these words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or at least believe in the evidence of the miracles themselves. Very truly I tell you that whoever believes in me will do the things that I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father will be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it if you love me. Keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will send you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. See, the world cannot accept him because it doesn't see him, and neither does it know him, but you know him because he lives with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, But I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you, you will see me. And because I live, you also will live. And then, on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father. And that you are in me. And that I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And whoever loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love them, and I will show myself to them. So then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, he said, Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us, but not to the world? Jesus said, hey, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching, and my Father will love them. And we will come to them and we will make our home with them. But anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words that you hear, they're not my own, they belong to the Father who sent me. All of this I have said while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things, and He will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. And I do not give the way the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. I know you heard me say that I'm going away, but I'm also coming back If you really loved me, then you'd be glad that I'm going to the Father because the Father is greater than I am. All these things I tell you now before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. I'm not going to speak with you much longer because the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes to show the world That I love the Father and that I do exactly as the Father commands. Come now, let's leave. Jesus, your words are awesome. I love them. And I'm thankful, Holy Spirit, that you teach us all things and that you remind us of all the things you said. You're so precious. You are our life and our satisfaction. Lord, there may not be too many new things spoken this morning, but I pray that each one would be reminding us of our life in you. I have a friend named John. Everybody should have a friend like John. John. John is an older older guy, and he's full of wisdom and experience, and he walks very closely with the Lord, and in his latter years, he's gone back to seminary during his retirement to be a spiritual mentor or spiritual guide, and John meets with me about once a month, and we've become pretty good friends, and he is kind of like my spiritual health coach. Well, the other day, about a month ago, John came into my office, and he sits down at the table. Doesn't exchange any pleasantries, not hi, how you doing, how's the fam, how's the weather. He sits right across the table, and he looks me in the eye, and he said, are you God incarnate? And I'm like, a heresy, And 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 you know, like, uh, last time I checked, I'm a pretty big sinner, pretty sure that I am not God made flesh, right? Any any takers? No, I am pretty sure that I am full of sin and flesh. And I'm thinking, absolutely not, I'm not God incarnate. But I didn't say anything, I just kept looking at him and he stared intently at me and he said, does the Holy Spirit of the living God of heaven, the fullness of Christ dwell in you and enliven your soul? And I said, yes, yes. Yes, he does. He said, good, because I came to meet with Jesus this morning. I've been wrestling with that little exchange during my whole month long of looking at John 14 and trying to figure out what to say. This idea And I am a sinful person. You know, Romans 3, all have sinned and fallen short. Pretty sure that none of us is good. Only God is good, right? And yet we have these promises throughout Scripture that, like, God says, I'm going to live in you. The fullness of God is going to dwell in you. Jesus said, I'm sending my Holy Spirit. I am going to be in you. This is crazy. Like, how do we do this? How do we navigate this landscape? You know, as a Reformed kid, I grew up and we were always taught that all of life is worship. Right? So all of life is worship to me really meant that I just, I don't know, do the best I can and basically I get a holy stamp of approval that at the end of life, God's going to say, yep, you're covered, you can get in, you're good to go. And the longer I'm doing this, the more I realize that, yes, all of life is worship, but it's a war for your worship because not all of life is worship to God. All of life is worship, absolutely. All of life can be worship to God and all of life should be worship to God But in our day-to-day life and circumstances, we do things that hurt people, that hurt ourselves, and that defy who God is and his holiness. All of life is not worship. And I think Paul wrestled with this, right? In Romans 7, he says, look, there's this flesh and this spirit inside of me, and they are like at war. And it's so frustrating because I do the things that I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I want to do. It's this sin living in me, and it drives me crazy. I'm a wretched man. Who can save me? I feel that way quite often. Do you? Do you experience that? So what's our way out? Faith. Right? We believe that Jesus has come to make it all better. That one day he'll wipe away every tear and shalom will usher in and we'll we'll get all the bad stuff will be made right and everything is going to be better again. It's good. But I think far too often it's this idea that's way out there somewhere, and we just have to kind of hold on until it comes. As you think about faith, what is faith really but expectation, right? Faith is really expectations. We believe something about someone and some circumstance. And y'all have expectations, everyone does. Some are high and some are low. Y'all came in here this morning with this idea of what chapel was going to be to some degree. You have expectations of your roommates, of your teammates, of your family. You have expectations of yourselves. And we have expectations of God, don't we? Faith is an expectation. I do a lot of premarital counseling, and one of the first things I say to couples I said we have to learn to communicate our expectations because your spouse cannot read your mind. We have to learn to communicate these things that we expect because really, unmet expectations create disappointment. When our expectations are unmet, we get disappointed and disillusioned. And we have expectations of God. Jesus promises his Holy Spirit to us. We have expectations of what that means for our lives. But what if, oops, what if our expectations of the Holy Spirit living in us isn't God's expectation of his Holy Spirit living in us? Right? Let's look at the three exchanges that the disciples have with Jesus in this passage. Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to come back and take you to be there. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And what does Thomas say? Thomas is the doubter. Remember, later on, he's the one who says, I need to see the holes in his hands. Thomas gets kind of snarky. He says, I I imagine kind of like a valley girl. Like, he's like, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Like, you know what I mean? Kind of, but I kind of imagine Thomas like that. And Don't we do that, though, sometimes? Like, Jesus, why all the riddles? Why all the mystery? Can you just tell me? Like, can you just tell me what major I need? Can you just tell me who I'm supposed to date? Can you just tell me where I'm supposed to go after college? Like, just tell me. Why all the riddles? Like, I just want to know. And Thomas was like, just tell me. You haven't told us yet. And Jesus said, I'm the way. There you go. And I'm one with the Father, and you need, to, you need me to get to the Father, so there you go. You have it. You've seen the Father. And then Philip pipes in, and he says, oh, oh, if only you would show us the Father, that would be enough for us. Do we have any if-then people? Oh, God, if only you do this thing, then I will believe God, if only you would give me the money that I need or get me into the school that I want or get me the friend thing that I need or the heal the person that's hurting. God, if only you do this thing, that would be enough. Then, then I'd be good to go. Then I'd be satisfied. And Jesus is like, ay, ay, ay. Like, I've been with you this whole time like you're looking at me. But Philip, guess what? I'll do you one better. I'm actually going to send the Holy Spirit to you and the Holy Spirit will really let you see. He'll open the eyes of your spirit, your soul. And then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, Judas says, well, okay, why do you intend to show yourself to us but not to the rest of the world? Do we have any engineers in the room? We're like, Jesus, you have like some pretty sweet skill set and some unlimited resources. Like we could come up with a way more efficient plan and a way to get this done. Right, like I said, every Christian ever in the history of the world, why doesn't God just snap his fingers and like fix it all, right? If he's sovereign, if he's God, if he's all loving, why, why do we have pain? Why do we have to go through all this stuff? Like, Jesus, we could figure this out. I'm pretty sure this is not how I would do it. what's Jesus' response in all three exchanges? Relationship. He doesn't even answer their circumstantial questions. This word, ginosko, it's a Greek word. It means to know. This guy, Bill Mounts, he writes a bunch of Greek textbooks. And he said, look, to know is not some fact that we accept. Like, it's not a doctrine that you ascribe to and say, yep, I agree with that good to go. Because demons believe that too, right? It's the kind of knowledge that is gained through experience. And if the context allows it, through intimacy. Look at all the places where Jesus says he wants us to know him or to be known. Further down, he actually goes, he goes, I actually want to be in you. And I want you to be in me. Just like I'm in the Father. I want to be one with you. I want you to really know me. And this idea of knowing isn't static. It's not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing process that we continue in this relationship with God. That's what he wants. And that is the frustrating and yet holy answer that he gives to our circumstances. Look, we have a lot of Dutch people in the room. I have a good Dutch friend. And uh, on St. Patty's Day, she posted this. you know? And I know that as Dutch in general, we're emotionally constipated, right? We have trouble with things like expression, especially when it comes to celebration, and intimacy. These things are uncomfortable for us. We don't, we're not good at them. It's, it's the cross that we have to bear, and that thanks be to God, he's redeeming us and leaving us out of, right? Amen? Come on, we're in a process. It's a journey. But the reality is that Jesus' paradigm and John 14 is a bridal paradigm. Jesus says I'm going to my father's house and I'm going to get a room ready. I'm going to come back and get you. I'm going to take you to be with me. That's the bridal paradigm that they all would have understood because what would happen is when a guy would go and get engaged to the girl, he would go back to his father's house and he would actually build a room onto the existing property or prepare one that's already there. And then when he was done, He would create this big parade with all the virgins and friends, and they would go, and they would get the bride and bring her back, and they would consummate the marriage in that room. That's a little uncomfortable. Jesus is saying, I want to be in you. I want to be one with you. I want you to know me in all the fullness of who I am. A few years ago, I had a student in my office and he was just kind of wrestling with what it meant to bring faith to work with him. He said, You know, i just I just don't quite know how to be a Christian at work. And I said, Okay. So what does it look like to bring Jesus to work with you? And he goes, Oh, I could never do that. I was like, Why not? He said, Well, I work construction and the guys are pretty rough. They hate Christians, they think that we're a bunch of hypocrites they think that we're too good for everybody else and so I kind of try to play it low key, you know, I don't, and and if I start talking about Jesus, my boss would be like, knock that off and get back to work, you know, that whole thing. I said, okay. I said, I guess that makes sense. But I said, let's pretend that I'm your employer. Would I rather hire you or Jesus? Okay? This is construction. Jesus was a carpenter. Like, Like, Not only that, he had all the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus is full of joy and love and patience. He's kind. He's he's not self-serving. He was probably a very diligent worker. I'm sure he was hungry and curious to learn about his his, his, uh, trade. Jesus was an awesome human. And yet, we treat him like he's some awkward guy that we can't bring to the party with him because he's going to mess everything up for us, right? Jesus is a better, he's better at life than we are. Do you understand that? Like, Jesus is a better boyfriend or girlfriend than you are. He's a better student. He's a better teammate. He's a better employee. He's better at all this stuff than we are. And yet we're like, nah, Jesus, you stay over there and keep me out of hell, and I'm going to do this right here, okay? We treat him like he's this oddball that we can't take with us. And he's saying, no, I want, you to, I want you to let me live in you and through you. You know, we have this idea, I think, America has, has this kind of like me and Jesus thing, right? Like, and it's really been pushed back on in theology the last number of years. And it's about community. All these Jesus is my girlfriend songs and me and Jesus and my relationship with God and all of that. And it's been pushed back on. No, it's about community. It's about we and us. And, and I agree with all of that. But I have to say that if you show me 100 people that are serious about being intimate with their relationship with Jesus, I'll show show you 100 people that I want to be in community with and 100 people that are going to change the world. You will be a better community member the closer you get to Jesus. My mentor used to say, the best thing you can do for anybody else is just know and love Jesus yourself. So my wife and I were married for about six months, and we had a massive fight. I've told a lot of you this story already, but it was bad. For like two or three days, I was slamming doors and walking out cold. We were cold-shouldering, not talking. And every time we'd try to talk and sit down, it just would escalate and get worse. And um, it was just bad. I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And a couple of days into it, I get ready to go to work one morning and I'm driving to work and I see there's this letter on my passenger seat. So I pull over into a park and I, and I open up the letter and I start reading it and as I'm reading it, my eyes are just filled with tears because everything she writes is something she loves about me. But about two-thirds of the way down the page, I realize everything she's written is actually an attribute of Jesus or a fruit of the spirit in me and i close my eyes and i said jesus she's not in love with me she's in love with you and if i'm going to make this thing work if we're going to do this i need you to live through me i need your love to work through me into her imagine being married to jesus it would be heaven on earth right so I made it my goal that day, as a, as a dad, as a father, I mean as a husband, as an employee, as a friend, that whatever situations I'm in, that Jesus, you would somehow let your spirit live in me as I die to myself, so that people around me can experience heaven on earth, maybe a little bit more. And trust me, I'm not very good at it a lot of the time. I still have the flesh and I still have the spirit waging war. But the closer I get to Jesus, the more glimpses I get to see of his kingdom breaking in. And the more satisfied my soul becomes. And that's the invitation that he's giving us today. When he comes, he will teach you all things. And he will remind you of everything that I've said. Peace. I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. And I don't give to you the way that the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.